I go through the sermon. Just I might be reading a lot for this, uh, this sermon because I haven't done this very often, but uh, let's start off. Good morning, I'm Carl Nysonen. Introductions probably said my name already, you know that. Um, I usually sit uh, somewhere in the middle of the congregation, your right-hand side, probably over there somewhere. And some Sundays I sit over on that side just to shake it up, you know, get wild. Um, Sometimes I'm upstairs with those guys up there. They're doing the technical stuff, putting the slides up. And so if you don't see me, I'm probably up there. Thanks, guys, for doing that good job. Um, if I'm not doing any of these things, I'm usually outside with my son Samuel. He's, uh, he's a little ball of energy, and uh, I usually have to calm him down. And if he's uh, really active, I have to take him outside, and we have to go on a safari hunt for iguanas. So... There's quite a few iguanas around here, around the lakes, and out back there if you're ever looking. Um, my son Sam could probably point them out for you. Um, but I consider that my, uh, my gift to the congregation, because I don't want a little blonde head running around the aisles during the sermon, so you can understand what's going on. So that's what I do on Sundays. I don't, uh, I don't certainly come up here and preach, otherwise, as you can probably tell, that uh, I'm not up here that often. But... Uh, so why am I here? Why am I here? Well, I went on a relaxing uh, trip to the Botanic Park with uh, the pastor and his family. There's a, if you haven't been to the Botanic Park, it's a very nice place to go. Lots of flowers and things. But uh, while we're there, um, we started talking with the pastor and we're just you know, walking along casually uh, along the path and uh, talking about movies and uh, family stuff. And uh, Oh, sorry. Vegetation as well. This slide of vegetation. Does anybody know what this plant is? Tourist tree? Why is it called tourist tree? It's red and it peels, right. So that's one of the things. Things. Oh. See? There we go. Sorry about that. It's red and it peels. Um. But as we're talking, we're all talking about more family stuff, more movies. We all seem to like sci-fi movies. And uh, we're talking about movies. Would you like to preach two Sundays from now? More about movies? What? So I just kind of threw that in there. wrote me in. And uh, I kind of agreed to preach two Sundays from now. But um, I think it's really my fault because uh, um, I've been wanting to say something like this for a while. And I've, I've kind of mentioned it before, like, I think I can preach a sermon. I think I can I've seen some of my friends come up here. And I'm really proud of um, Greg and Terry and Sarah and Mike, people getting up from our congregation, getting up here and just, uh, just talking. I think it feels like it's more part of the church that, that you know, when people come up from our congregation are, are saying something. Not that Pastor Ryan doesn't have some good sermons as well. But it just feels like there's more. I, when I did it, and I was, well, I'm not preaching, but taking part in the church, helping the technical stuff, uh, administration, uh, iris. Um, it just feels like you're more part of a church. You're more connected to it. And and uh, what we did that because we didn't have a pastor at the time and someone had to do it. So that's why we did it. Um, so if you want to feel more connected to the church, I encourage you to um, find out where you would fit in best with uh, what, whatever gifts you have. Like, I'm supposed to plug uh, the pastor's uh, seminar for March 13th at this point, and uh, I encourage you to go and see what gifts you have, and you might even end up here if you want to, but I'll leave that up to you. 
Um, let's get down to it. I told myself I'd be brief. Oops. I'm going to put this over here. This keeps knocking me in the back. Uh, I wanted to be brief before you guys started throwing vegetables. Anybody bring any vegetables? Oh, okay, I just got some. Save them for a little bit later, please. Um, but I'm also not a preacher, so you're going to have me see me rambling. I'm going to be talking about things that may not really relate to my message, so sorry about that. And throwing a few anecdotes in. One of them is uh, from my old pastor of mine. He was, uh, his name is Pastor Pipke. He was from the Abundant Life Chapel in Lactabonny, Manitoba, Canada. So, if anybody knows him. He says church is a lot like a supermarket. Supermarket? That's kind of strange. Um, Okay, I'm going to paraphrase this, but he basically said, there's a lot of selection, spiritual selection at church. Uh, there's spiritual bread, spiritual meat. Um, and say perhaps you're going to the church today and you really want uh, some bread today. But the pastor happens to be talking on meat. And you don't get what you want. But someone else in the congregation really needs that meat. So uh, I'm either the bread or the meat today, so whatever. Hopefully someone needs what I'm going to say today. Okay, the title of my um, sermon is Salvation for Dummies. Kind of borrowed the little look from the books you might have seen. But what does it mean? Um, the title doesn't mean salvation is only for dummies. Because, well, it might be, but um, I happen to know many well-educated people that have, uh, in fact, heard and accepted the good news of salvation. Um, but in a way, humanity, that's all of us, myself, probably the biggest one, are dummies in that we have heard the fantastic news of God and we've turned away from it. And I'll get back into that a little bit. So, since we are all a lot like children, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to break it down, make it really simple. This sermon is really geared for new believers and uh, maybe people don't know a lot about the Bible or church or God, etc. I was thinking, what's the most simplest way to tell everyone, you know, what the main part of the Bible is, the main message God wants us to know. And without getting too uh, wordy, boring, I'm sorry if I'm boring, or preachy. So it turns out somebody already did this. You might have heard this already. It's called The Four Spiritual Laws. You can go online here. Um, if I don't make everything, you can check this out later. It's really, it's really nice. It has a bunch of languages, so if you feel more comfortable in... Estonian or whatever. It's probably on there. Um, it's written by Bill Bright, 1952, from the Campus Crusade of Christ. And so far, 2.5 billion of his little tracks, I don't know, you might have seen them in hotels and things, have been printed and distributed. And it's kind of like McDonald's. He really gets around. Um, another reason why I wanted to call it Books of Salvation for Dummies is to make it catchy and stuff. And you might have seen some other books for dummies in the Harmonica for dummies, uh, racing for dummies. I wouldn't know if I want to race formula races after reading a book, but you never know. Hedge funds for dummies. Any accountants out here? Right, okay. I don't know if you need that book, but it's out there. You want to do some refresher course? And uh, this guy had one. Presidency for dummies. So <laughs> I don't know. It's pro do you think you need it? I don't know. Do you think there really is a book like that? I don't know. I think it's probably photoshopped, but anyway. Before I get too far, um, I want to say, although I'm trying to be clever and modern with the message of salvation, I can never be clever or 
modern enough to make anyone believe what I'm saying. I need God's help. And I'll give you an illustration, uh, not up there, but um, I have a friend, oh, uh, the Bible, yes. Um, I have a friend whose ra- rationale is that quoting scripture to him is not, not going to make him believe anything. Like, quote all the scripture you want. Uh, he doesn't believe it because he doesn't believe in the Bible. So, um, how can we get people to believe in God? We can't. It's simple. We can't do it. It has to be God working in our lives. And it also has to, oh, not our lives, but also the person that we're talking to, whoever we meet on the street. God has to be working in their lives and bring into a point of trust, a trust that Christ is the Lord and that he wants us to forgive us of our sins. An example of this might be um, when you're reading the Bible and you come across a certain passage and say you've been having a problem in your life at a certain time and this particular word just jumps out at you and just says, yeah, that's... That really is what I needed. That's God speaking to me. That's one example. Um, how does God come alive in your life? What have you experienced that says, wow, that's God? Is, has anybody ever said, come across that point? Seen God? Yeah? Okay, well, probably yes, you, of course. Um, one example might be uh, seeing a lightning storm or God's power, his nature in there. This shows, shows you God at work. Another one is maybe seeing a, a beautiful landscape. And Cayman is full of beautiful landscapes. My wife took that picture, by the way, so she's quite a, an eye. And maybe that's why many of us live here. It also could be um, observing, observing God working in others. Like maybe you see me up here saying, oh, that guy can do it. I kind of understand what he's saying. So, or you see someone on the street helping somebody or someone calls you and gives you an encouraging word just when you need it. For me, it's thinking about God's perspective. We kind of sang about this um, saying forever. His gift of us to us is eternal life. Uh, after we die, we'll live forever. And the only forever that I can comprehend is when I think about space. I don't know if anyone likes to think about space, but I kind of do. Um, I think that's why I like sci-fi movies so much and also because of the real cool special effects. That's really good. I like to watch those. But um, let me see if I can show you some perspectives. Someone sent me this email a while ago. Maybe someone else has seen it. Okay, so here's Earth in relation to all the, some of the other planets in the, in the solar system. You can almost see my house right there. If you look close, around the corner. Um, next slide. This is, now these are these uh, planets we just saw in relation to some of the other larger planets in our solar system. It's, Earth is getting a little smaller. It's like a little marble now. Next slide. Um, this plant, planets in our solar system in relation to our sun. We're getting really tiny here. We can almost not even see us. And this is our sun. Can you believe it? That's our sun compared to some of the other suns in the uh, universe. This is called Arct- Arcturus. Um, and this is, okay, Arcturus is down there. It's one of the smaller suns compared to another sun called Antares. You can just see how small we're beginning to be. Do you have another one? Okay. This is, um, this is taken from one of the probes, NASA probes, as it was uh, one of the early ones. I forget which one it was. You can probably do the research. And it was uh, leaving our solar system, and someone at NASA had the bright idea, hey, let's turn it around and see what Earth looks like, just as, you know, they're about to lose contact with it. Turn it around, take a snapshot of Earth. Can anybody see Earth in there? No, I can't. Oh, I've got a few pages ahead, sorry. 
At this point, Earth is just a tiny speck. It's not even visible. To think that all the history of all the Earth, everything we know, all the lives that have come and gone, all the wars, tragedies, concerns, hopes, loves of everyone that's ever been, is something so small you can't even see it anymore. And God made all this. I think this is why I mostly wanted to share this message. This image I see every time I think about God and what he's like. I get so blown away by the vastness of everything. In Isaiah 40, 26, it says, God knows all the stars by name. All of them. All of that under his control, and yet he has time to help me out with my tiny, insignificant problems. Well, insignificant to me, but it says also in the Bible that he can count the hairs on my head. Okay, well, for me, that's not many, but take someone like Greg, he has a lot of hairs. That's lots. He knows a lot. So you can see God is big, and he's perfect. To control all that immense immenseness, he has perfect control. And he also loves each of us individually. And that, coincidentally, is my first book of my book of salvation. Chapter 1, God loves us. So, God loves us so much. Okay, sorry. I'm going to say this. Uh, there's this one verse in the Bible that they teach us in, high, in Sunday school. If you're growing up and you've gone to Sunday school, it's probably the first verse you've ever learned. And I think it's what I consider the Bible to be in a nutshell. God loved us so much that he gave us one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's it. God, the creator of the universe, that all that stuff we just saw, sent his son to die for us, the little tiny speck, like the creator of the universe, my son, go die for those people. These tiny specks in relation to creation is so amazing. And it's so simple, we just have to believe in it. In Luke 23, verse 33 to 42, they talk about the crucifixion. Sorry about this picture. It's the only one I could find that might be a little gross. but um, Jesus died for our sins. And beside him, there's these two other criminals. They're just criminals, and he's, of course, you know who Jesus is. Um, but they're on the crucifixion. They're getting crucified. They're going to die. These two other guys, they don't name them. They don't, they don't know who they are. There's these two guys, and they get caught up in history. Can you imagine that? Like you're just this stole a purse or something. I don't know. Something simple. And you, you're in the history books. Everybody knows about you. Well, not your name, but they know about you. And uh, so they're up there with, with Jesus, the God's son, dying. One of them joins into the crowd and they start, he starts going off the crowd going, ha ah, ha, Jesus, get off your cross if you want to. And he's dying. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But this other guy I'll say that guy's the guy that uh, didn't do that. Um, he says, uh, Jesus, I believe in you. Can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, sure. Um, when I, let me see what he says. On this day or whatever, you'll be at my right side in heaven or something like that. And uh, he didn't say to him, you have to... Sure, but you have to remember uh, 50 verses in chapter 13 of Luke and, or uh, you have to go and care for 100 people before I let you into heaven. He didn't say anything like that. I just said, you have to believe. Okay, so if God's love is so great and it's so easy to get by or to get it, what's holding us back? Chapter 2, sin. And you may ask yourself, why did God have to send his son to die for us? Why couldn't he just snap his fingers? He made everything else. He just 
make it all right? It was our sin. Everybody a sin. Me, you, you, singer. <laughs> um, everybody, and everybody must pay the price. According to Romans 6, 23. For the wages which sin pays is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, who'd want to work for that pay? I'm getting my pay cut soon probably, but with government, but uh, it's not much compared to, uh, hey, you want to die? No, don't, wouldn't take that. Anyway. Um, if we compare ourselves to children, this might be a bit easier to comprehend um, or understand. For those of you who have children, maybe even easier. So, some children. I don't know if anyone's yours like that. Okay, no matter how hard we try, what is one of the most common words that children learn to use first? Anybody have an idea? No, no exactly. No, no, I don't want to brush my teeth. No, I don't want what you made me for dinner. Um, no, I don't want to go to bed. No, no, no. That's all they want to say. And uh, so uh, sin is basically the big no in our hearts to God. It's where we say no to God because we want to be in charge of our own lives. We know what's best for us, don't we? Surely not the creator of the universe. What do you know? Another analogy that I like is the cold analogy. Sin is like a virus in us. We are born with it, unfortunately. When you have a cold, you may have a runny nose, a sore throat, a headache, or just feel miserable. Those are just some of the symptoms of a, of a cold. Sin is similar in that um, it causes us to show symptoms when we have it, and the main one being our rebellion towards God. So how do we get, how do we get rid of sin? Jesus died for us. We can't do it ourselves. Jesus died for us. We can't just take our sin and throw it in the trash. It's with us. He's the only one who can do it. Uh, I kind of gave it this way earlier, sorry, but uh, let's continue. What I didn't tell you is that Jesus rose again. He's died for our sins, and he rose again. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Christ, well, I'm paraphrasing, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, and then to the 12 disciples, and after that he appeared to more than 500 people. The fact that Paul is telling us in this uh, passage that, look, if you don't believe me that God rose from again, here's 500 other people, they're right over there, that uh, saw him, and he goes on to list names. I think he does this so that we can go check out his story. Not us, but, you know, the people back in the Bible time, they're, they checked out his story. We can't, because they're probably dead now, but... It still, gives us, it still gives us a lot of strength in our faith to know that uh, Paul went out of his way to say, hey, look, there's 500 other people that saw it. Go ask their story. Or to confirm the story. So Jesus died for us so we don't have to die for our sins. He took on our sins and paid the ultimate price. He bridged the gulf. So our sin is, here's man, here's God, here's the gulf of sin that uh, so we can never reach God on our own. And Jesus died for us so we can run like that to God. It's kind of a strange picture, but... There's no other way through Jesus to God except through Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, the Father, but through me. That brings us to step four. We're almost done. Trust in God's plan of salvation. Now, this is useless if we don't act on it, if we don't trust in Jesus, trust that he is God 
and he is able to forgive us of our sins. Not only so that when we die we'll receive eternal life, but so we can know God's plan for our lives right now and experience his love. He is waiting for us just right now. While we're on earth, we don't have to die for it. Ephesians 2, verse 8 9 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that any man should boast. So, again, we can't do it on our own. We can't, you know, say whatever, how many verses, or I was going to say Hail Marys, but that's maybe not the best thing to say. But um, we can't do it on our own. We have to just accept it. In John 3, 3, Jesus also talks to a, a man. He says, answered him to a man named Nicodemus, actually. And that's funny, Nicodemus. Do, you, do anybody know any Nicodemuses? No? I don't. It's just, just a little side there. I don't know very... Some strange names they had back then. Paul, Mark, Luke, John, they all made it to the modern days, but Nicodemus got left out. Um, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again, he cannot ever see the kingdom of God. Being born again sounds kind of weird, but basically it means that you believe God sent his son to die for you and take away your sins, and you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. At this point, if we're talking to someone that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, uh, they never made a point in their heart, in their lives to, to believe, we can say a simple prayer with them. Um, it'll be coming up shortly. About the words, the words that we're going to say in the prayer are, are not a magic spell. It's, it's not you say the words and suddenly you're a Christian and your sins are forgiven. It's, it's more the attitude of your heart when you come towards God. Um, so why don't we this is kind of the close of our my little sermon so why don't we just uh, bow our heads and repeat the words maybe you don't need to say them yourself maybe the person next to you just needs to feel less alone or self-conscious as you say them but can you say them with me if everyone with their heads bowed Lord Jesus I need you thank you for dying on the cross for my sins I open the door of my life and trust you as my savior and lord My trust is fragile and new. Help me to trust more. Help me make a decision to trust. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be, a person more like Jesus. Amen. Okay, we can raise our heads. Um, Thanks for your assistance. Thanks for not throwing any vegetables. Uh, if anyone has decided to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior, that's great. I encourage you to uh, let the pastor know after the sermon or whenever you get a free moment or anyone that you trust in the congregation, of uh, leader, leadership or someone else, and they can probably point you in the right direction to, to grow in your new life. So here we go. Here's the four spiritual laws in the nutshell. God loves us. Sin separates us. Jesus died for our sins. And I can trust in Jesus as your Savior. And that's basically all I need to go. I tried to keep it as simple as I could and I uh, hope you weren't too bored. Thank you very much and have a great week.